everyone. I'm Devin McDonald, a partner at OpenView, where I spend a lot of time talking to both aspiring and serial board members. This season on Build, we're talking about the journey to the boardroom. Each week, I'll speak with executives who will share their unique stories and insights to help you either consider what type of persona to bring onto your board if you're a CEO, and or help you think through what your path will be to get to the boardroom as an independent director. Now, on with the show. Today, we're joined by Caroline Say. Caroline is the CEO of Compute Software, and she sits on the board of Coca-Cola, Morningstar, and Rosetta Stone. Previously, she was the VP and GM of software at Hewlett Packard Enterprise, and prior to that, she held product leadership roles at Yahoo. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us today. Excited to hear about your journey to the boardroom. Thank you so much, Evan, for having me. I want to talk a little bit about the earlier days in your career, and I love asking the question, what did you want to be when you grew up? (laughs) Well, back when I was in elementary and middle school, I thought I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. And I thought about that so seriously. I actually went and shadowed a neurosurgeon at Santa Clara Valley Medical Center here in Silicon Valley. You're kidding. So you actually got to witness the surgery? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Eighth grade. I didn't go into the operating room with him, but I got to follow him around and hear what his life was like. And quite honestly, it was really depressing and sad. And in fact, I did see and meet a lot of the patients. That actually steered me away from wanting to be a neurosurgeon. And then I was heavily influenced, I would say, when I went off to college to go and study EE or computer science by my parents. Uh, And that led to picking computer science, which was great because it's so neat to be able to program and then see the results of what you're doing right away. So I thought I wanted to be a software engineer. I did a number of internships throughout college, working at Cisco, Intel, and then a startup called iWork which is now a brand of apples. I was there working and and thought, you know, this is probably not not ideal long-term. So I ended up doing my master's in management science and engineering there. And I thought about consulting, then went to IBM to have my first job there. Outstanding. And I want to jump in a little bit to some of these executive roles that you've had over the course of your career. So you were an executive at, at Yahoo. I believe you were, you were the senior director of product management for search and e-commerce. You were the general manager of software at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. I want to hear about how those experiences have really prepared you to become the board member that you are today. Yeah, it's been incredible, actually, just having the opportunity to join the boards that I have and participate. I would say that there are a number of areas that really have helped my participation in the board. One specific area is just the ability to build teams from scratch and hiring and shaping the organization and thinking about the culture of the organization. At the board level now, that topic is, is quite big, organizational design, structure, culture. So starting these teams at Yahoo and HP have, have just really shaped that and helped that. Another is... So in both scenarios, you really started something from scratch. So larger brand, but you almost had a little startup within that larger brand. Exactly. Yep. At Yahoo, I had the opportunity to build a team for a whole new advertising product that we were looking to market and sell right from scratch. And same with HP. We saw a lot of disruptors in the market and SaaS that were just biting away at our ankles. And we thought, wow, we've got to go to market to focus on the mid-market and the small and medium businesses, not just large enterprises. So I essentially went into HPE to start a whole new organization and a new way of marketing and selling and building product experiences for those segments. 
That meant you know recruiting from scratch, hiring, building teams across functions. And the general management experience, I would say, at HPE really helped to shape what I'm doing now today in my current role as CEO of, of a startup, but also how I participate on the board. It's interesting that you go right to sort of the people aspect of it, the recruiting, the um, attracting the executive teams. How much does that play into your role as a, a board member today? That's a great question. It plays in, in a number of areas. It plays in the compensation committee. As you may already know, the compensation committee spends quite a bit of time talking about the executive talent, the CEO, compensation packages, professional development. And, and those are highly relevant to you know the personal experiences I've had within the companies I've worked for. Another area is around corporate governance, even bringing on new board members and thinking about how to shape your board, what types of skill sets and experiences you think you would need to complement the rest of the board and make it a very effective board. And then I would say also just thinking about business risks or even technology risks when it's related to people and how that impacts your company and really evaluating that, which audit committees are doing today. How much exposure did you have to the boards at Yahoo and HPE while you were there? And did that shape your sort of thoughts on becoming a board member yourself? Yeah, I had some exposure to the board and, of course, worked very closely with Meg at HPE. And I would say that my observations of the of the board at HPE are a bit different <laughs> from the experiences I've had with Coca Cola or, or Morningstar and Rosetta Stone, and that's something we can certainly get into as well and talk about. I would love to hear about when you got the sort of first itch to be on a board. At what point in your career? Yeah, this was back, I would say, in 2013. My boss at the time at HPE had come to me and said, hey, Caroline, would you like to have an executive coach? And he actually thought it was going to be somewhat insulting that he suggested that. And I said, no, 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 I would absolutely love to have an executive coach so that I can talk to this person and and just get more perspective around my career inside of HP and even long term outside of HP. So I started working with an executive coach And he told me, Caroline, your career is not just about your day-to-day job. It's really about how you think about the impact you can make inside and outside of the company and what you can learn beyond exactly what you're doing today, day-to-day. So I said, okay, well, like, what can I do? And he said, you should really think about how you can build a brand and influence outside of the company, learn from others, perhaps attend conferences and speak at them. And also, since you have so much experience and knowledge and background in product, marketing, organizational design, in tech companies, this is something that boards are interested in. Would you even consider going down that path? So this was back in 2013. I took his advice seriously. And in fact, I went to my first panel, which was a VentureBeat panel focused on marketing and data and technology, and ended up speaking there. An executive in the audience saw me speak and he said, he came and reached out afterwards and said, everything you talked about resonated really well with what we're trying to do and where we're trying to head at Rosetta Stone. Would you be interested in meeting my CEO? So that got that whole discussion started. From the panel. Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, I think it was serendipitous that we got to meet and I happened to, to start looking at board opportunities. Was that person a recruiter for Rosetta Stone? Were they an active board member and they were recruiting another board member? What no, was the they, dynamic? 
actually an executive officer inside. Oh, of okay. Got so it. it was really great to see that he was even on the lookout uh, yeah. for his own company. And then, so you, you got the introduction to the CEO and really just kind of hit it off. How did that process really play out? Yeah, it was a discussion with the CEO to share my background to learn more about what they were looking for. Rosetta Stone was going through a lot of changes and transitions from the hard package goods, the yellow boxes, through to SaaS software. So as it was making that change, it really needed someone to help think about the impact to the business model, the way that you're pricing and selling, the way that you're thinking about digital marketing away from traditional marketing, all the way through to what are the technology platforms, services, and products to build to go and, and enable all of that. So it was just a, kind of a, a perfect opportunity for me. And with the conversation with the CEO meant you know more discussions with the rest of the board. I got to meet the rest of the board and just hit it off from there. And I joined Rosetta Stone back in December 2014. And how did your, I mean, it sounds like your boss was really supportive because you said he wanted to find you an executive coach and really wanted you to develop, it sounds like professionally and personally. How did you balance the day job with the board role? I think a lot of people are questioning, how can I really be an effective board member if I'm giving it my all with my current job? How did you make that work? Exactly. Well, it really depends on the board and the company too that you join or you're thinking about joining. When I happened to join Rosetta Stone, it was going through a lot of change and I actually did not know what I was in for. It started out with meetings almost almost every other week or every three weeks because we were getting a lot of shareholder feedback mm-hmm. and input that we had to consider and think about and respond to. So um, meetings so. every, was that like calls that you would have dial-ins for? Right. Or was calls, that? In addition to, of course, the regular board meeting schedule yeah. and regular committee schedule. So it was just a so lot of time commitment. initially, a big commitment. And, and you don't know, right? It just really depends on what the company is going through, mm-hmm. uh, when something might come up that you wouldn't have expected from shareholders, like you know any kind of activists. So, you know, it was definitely tough early on, but you just have to think about where the board, if you can carve out the time, I just think the opportunity to learn is so beneficial to your own operational and role and day job that you'll figure out how to make it work. And could you sense that it was really making you a stronger operator at HPE to sort of have this external perspective? Oh, absolutely. In in several ways. One, I just had so much more respect for Meg and our CEO (laughs) as far as the complexity and the amount of input that you get and trying to figure out what to do with that. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're not only trying to manage and get feedback inside of the company from your peers, your employees, you're hearing everything from the outside, you're trying to work with the board. It's just overwhelming, I would say. So you know, how do you think through? How do you manage that? How do you make sure that you have more context around decision-making and understand what others might be going through? I, I think that was one big realization having started on that board. And then the other is just the the amount of consideration for making sure that you're really doing things for long, the long term and doing things with respect to what shareholders are looking for. I think making sure that you always tie that back, you know, inside of a day job, your operational role back to what is best for this company overall across a number of stakeholders. I think that just gave me a broader perspective for my job. 
would love to hear about how you continue to build your network or even leverage your network to find your other board seats, because now you're on the board of, of Morningstar, correct, as well as Coca-Cola. I want to hear about how those came to be. So I mentioned the the speaking, which was really great to be able to get myself out there, even though I used to think that was a total waste of time and too much of an extracurricular activity. But uh, I take those seriously now. Um, <laughs> and I would say a couple of resources have really helped my network. I initially joined an organization called Women in the Boardroom based out mm-hmm. of New York. And they offer coaching opportunities on how to think about your background and articulate that so that it's useful to boards and helpful to boards. And they offer a number of board opportunities through to the Athena Alliance, which kind of started after I joined Women in the Boardroom. In fact, I had an initial conversation with Coco Brown, the founder of the Athena Alliance, a few years ago to get that organization started. And it's turned out to be a tremendous organization to help women get on boards. Morningstar came about actually from an introduction to a well-known VC in Silicon Valley. They knew that I had already been serving on a board. I knew the uh, talent partners there. And uh, when Morningstar was out visiting Silicon Valley to learn more about portfolio companies and think about partnerships or potential acquisitions even, they brought up the, the fact that they were looking for a board member and whether the VC firm knew of any that would be a potential candidate. So that's that's how I got connected to Morningstar. Had you been proactive in building the relationship with the talent partner at this venture capital firm or had they reached out to you? They reached out to me for this board opportunity. But before that, when I was evaluating operating roles and different job opportunities, I had already gotten in touch with them and, and known them over time. So I'd mm-hmm. known them for several years before that. Got it. And then we'd love to hear about the joining the Coca-Cola board. I mean, obviously, one of the most well-known brands in the entire world. would love to hear about that experience because it's quite remarkable. Yeah. So apparently, Coke is the second most well-known universal word after OK in the world. Really? Um, I did so, not know that. <laughs> yeah. So it's been an incredible honor being a part of that board. There have been so many learning experiences for me because the people on this board are just incredible, amazing. So it's been really neat. This board and the company has been surprisingly forward-looking. When I first joined, I mean, we were talking about consumer preferences and behavior, macroeconomic changes in 2030, and how we should think about different international markets and approaching them and addressing the consumer behaviors and changes that were happening in each of those markets. So that was just one example of thinking very long term and caring about that. And also, I'd say that The company, you wouldn't, if you really think about it, it's incredibly complex and intricate. They've got bottling partners, distribution, through to customers who are the retailers as as we know it, or like the grocery stores or the Walmarts of the world, through to consumers. So there's so many people, I mean, so many stakeholders to work with. No, I can only imagine. How many employees are there in in total? You know, um, it's evolved significantly over the last year and a half or two years as the company has divested the bottling partnerships and and the bottling works. But it's around, I would say, about twenty to 25,000. I don't have the exact number for you. So it's it's actually not as large as you would think with a lot of tech companies, especially with the revenue and the profitability they're generating. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I'm just curious. So you obviously went Coca-Cola. It's one of the most well-known brands in the world. Second most popular word in the world. (laughs) What made you want to work for such a large company versus going the path of of more of a, a startup? And also what draws you more to that sort of consumer world versus more of the the startup boards? Just kind of would love to hear your thought process there. Yeah, that's a great question. So I have served on uh, boards that are not public company boards. So I served on the board of a Series A, now Series B venture-backed company, and also advise AdRoll, which is a late-stage advertising yeah. tech company. And I would say it really depends on the company. <laughs> the experiences are so varied, and there isn't necessarily something I can generalize about a very large public company to a venture-backed startup, even my own. I'd say that there's a big difference in really how the CEO engages with the board, and also how the board members contribute. I know that's very, very broad, but in some cases, the CEO heavily leans on the board for all kinds of advice or counsel. In other cases, not as much, and maybe because they're really busy, so well within good reasons. And then also the board. I mean, some boards may think that it's really up to the management team to drive everything. And and some other boards think that they are going to step in and help shape the strategy a a bit more than the latter example. So it just really depends on the company, how the CEO wants to engage with the rest of the board and how the different board members think they should be contributing and can contribute. Got it. You're a CEO today of a high growth software company, Compute Software. How have all these experiences made you a better CEO? And as you think about your own board, how have your experiences helped you really kind of think through what you're looking for with the executives that you pull into your company? Yeah, um, well, my board is very small (laughs) and we're still so early stage. So there's a lot to grow into and to learn. And I hope we'll continue to do that for a long time. What I talked about earlier, how how do I want to leverage the board? And by the way, when I talk to and have worked with a number of venture back companies, I distinguish and draw a line between advisors and board members. I think in some cases, I've worked with CEOs who think of the board as really advisors and leverage them that way. I would say that you know there's there's kind of a time and place and people for that role and you know, the appropriate relationship to build for that. So that's like one thing I think about. I haven't started building a board of advisors, but that's something I definitely need to pursue and to do. But you know what? I think that's a really interesting point. I'm always so impressed with the companies in our portfolio that outside of their board are very conscious on building this sort of advisory group that they can turn to and solicit advice. So one company in particular that stands out, and I I know we had Blair Christie, who's an advisory board member for this company, Logical. They've done an exceptional job, and I think it's made the company so much stronger just to pull in folks for that advisor role. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, typically, right, you're going to have the investors on the board and then maybe the founder or founders. And it's just important to get outside perspective. It's just find that sometimes the CEOs just rely heavily on just the board and then you don't Mm -hmm. have independence or those with close industry or or very strong industry experience to get perspective from. And and that's where I draw the distinction between the board members versus the advisory board members. When you first joined a board, and I'm sure when you joined the board of Coca-Cola, 
you know, this was a, a group I'm assuming that had been together for some time, had some history. How did you find your voice in the boardroom coming in as the newest board member? That's interesting that you bring that up. There have been a a few additions over the last few years or several years, which is nice because you always seem to find that the new board members kind of band together, (laughs) maybe because they're just newer members, they get to know each other and share some learnings, more recent learnings they have. I'd say that what's important to do right away is to contribute in the way that the board is expecting. I mean, they brought you on for a good reason. They're seeking advice, input, feedback, or questioning around the areas that you have experience in. Being able to contribute right away, I think, is important to finding your voice and establishing a voice on the board. And I think boards are really good now, starting to be very good at bringing on new board members and thinking about where they would be good for committee membership. And that's also a very good place. I mean, if you join audit, if you join the non-gov committee or, or compensation, you probably have something to contribute right away just from your own personal experiences in your operating role. And I think that is a great way to start helping the company and establishing your voice. I mean, how have you joined those committees in the past? Do you sort of raise your hand when an opportunity comes up to be a part of that committee or are you selected? It usually works kind of both ways. You can raise your hand if you have interest in a specific committee or specific committees. Oftentimes, they already have an idea of what would be a great committee for you to serve on, especially if you're new and might not have had a committee experience. So it can go both ways. Somehow I did get pulled into audit committee, though, for both Morningstar and (laughs) Coca-Cola. That (laughs) one is uh, uh, more involved, um, but it's been great to be able to be on the audit committees because they're really caring about business risk, technology risk, security, IT governance, and things like that, which are areas that I can contribute. What advice do you have for an executive who is starting to get that itch, right? Starting to think about their future as a board member. What can they be doing now to better prepare themselves for that? Yeah, it definitely takes a dedicated effort if you want to go down that path. I think a couple of things are really important. Getting yourself out there, which is not something I used to do because again, I was just so focused on my day job and was so heads down with that. And I mean, getting yourself out there in the way where you can share your background, your experiences and help kind of broader companies and people around you helps significantly. Another is around the resources. I mean, there are a number of books. The Stanford Directors Consortium was something I attended and got a lot of learnings out of on, on how to even run a board, what, what's a part of the board, what, it, what does it do, what do the committees do, what to think about. So a number of resources just to kind of learn more if you're not necessarily directly participating in the boardroom within your company or, or other boards at the time. I'd say lastly, I mean, ask, be very open about opportunities if you're looking for them, if there are companies that interest you, people that you know, or those that can introduce you to someone else on that board or would know someone on that board. That's a great way to just start the conversation because it typically is a very long process to be able to join and get on a board. What would you say on average with your experience it's been from sort of initial conversation to, to getting in that seat for the first time? Yeah, it, I would say about six months to a year and a half. Wow. I love asking that question because I do feel like, and I, I mentioned this in a previous uh, podcast we had, 
a lot of times I think people assume that, you know, if the chemistry's there, then the CEO or the board can make it happen real quick, right? But I think that's just not the case. This is, you know, this will take multiple meetings, multiple conversations, perhaps multiple board meetings that happen quarterly for the group to kind of really come to a consensus. So I think the concept of having patience (laughs) and not assuming the worst because you were introduced to a CEO and they don't get back to you that next week that you're sort of out of the process. You know, I'm glad you brought up that point because for one of my boards, we were evaluating a board member and it was this woman that has an outstanding background. I was excited to have her be a part of this, but we were just kind of slow in our process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, typically the boards don't talk about it unless you're directly on the non-gov committee. And sometimes they don't even meet in between board meetings. They're waiting until, you know, a few months later to meet. So it, it just, again, takes some time. And this woman got in touch with me a few weeks after her interview and said, yeah, I just, I don't think I got on. I'm, I'm assuming I didn't make it. I'm like, did someone tell you that you didn't make it? Because we're still very interested in you. And I, I think it was just not a good assumption to make. Oftentimes boards are planning even two years out if they're thinking about someone retiring and getting mm-hmm. off the board. Or they have to wait, in the, in the case of a public company, wait for the next uh, proxy season in mm-hmm. April or you know March or April to officially bring someone on. So they're, again, planning a year out. So it can take some time for those reasons, too. Makes sense. So I'd love for you to, as my sort of final question here, it's more Mad Lib style. So if you fill in the blank, you aren't ready for a board if, or we can even tweak it to you shouldn't join a board if... Because I, th- I think a lot of people out there sort of fancy themselves as being a board member in the future, right? It's very it's very rare that I would talk to a successful software executive and ask them the question, are you considering joining a board down the road? And for them to say, no, I wouldn't do that. I mean, everyone kind of in the back of their head thinks that that's sort of a great place to be eventually. But what's your advice for, you know what, you're not quite ready if... Mine is going to be a very long Mad Lib answer. Uh, (laughs) You aren't ready for a board if you're not willing to put in the time. That's number Mm -hmm. one. And number two, if you're very uncomfortable with little information and making good decisions from that. Mm. That doesn't mean that you have to make decisions with little information. You can go and seek more information and get context and talk to people within the organization or outside. But I think that one thing that I've faced and really had to learn joining the board is that you're not always going to be getting direct information about something, yet you're asked to make decisions and vote on matters that are important to the company. So how do you make sure that you're well-informed? How do you use good judgment and deal with all the input and the complexity of thinking through that? I mean, it makes sense. I think your answers of you're going to have to give up the time, you're going to have to make decisions with very little information. You need to be finding time to inform yourselves in between board meetings and educating yourself on the market, et cetera. So I think those are, it's a great point or great two points. Absolutely. Carolyn, this has been amazing today. I I really appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, know you're incredibly busy. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us and congratulations on all of your success. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Devin. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you're listening to podcasts these days. And please give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Outside of podcasts, we produce content daily on OpenView Labs. You can also follow us on Twitter at OpenView Venture and subscribe to our newsletter that's sent out to over 100,000 SaaS operators every Saturday morning by going to openviewpartners.com forward slash newsletter. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>